Welcome back to the Rundown Podcast. My name is Abe Hicks with my main man, Dylan Kearns. We are back better than ever. It is the end of the MLB season. It's been a wild, crazy year. Uh, Dylan, how are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, it's uh, it has been a crazy year. You know, you started off with certain things. Remember when the Pirates were off to a hot start and were like, are they real? And then now it's like it's coming to the end of the season. Things are kind of wrapped themselves up this is the best time of the year especially when you have a favorite team that's in a pennant race in a wild card race whatever's going on this is the time of year where a lot of people got all their focus on football but i tell you what when your team's in a playoff race you're still locked in on the mlb yes sir and speaking of favorite teams uh my favorite team will not be in the postseason this year (laughs) Uh, i think obviously for a good reason they need to definitely make a lot of changes there but uh, on this episode, uh, we're going to talk about the tight NL race that's going on. We're also going to get into um, the disappointing seasons of the Mets, the Padres, and the Cardinals. Um, and we're also going to break down a, a a childhood equipment that we both shared um, that a lot of you might might be able to relate to. So uh, starting off with, with the NL wildcard race. I mean, like we mentioned, it's been a great year so far, and it's a tight race in in a wild card. I mean, the Phillies um, are up four games right now in at the top of that wild card, and so it's going to come down to the Cubs and the Diamondbacks, who are barely in there with Miami, Cincinnati, and San Francisco close behind. Yeah, that's an interesting note with the Diamondbacks. They're 6-1 and against the Cubs in the series this year, so they definitely have the upper hand in that. Uh, We saw that take place the last few weeks. They went into Wrigley Field, they kicked their ass, and then they swept the Cubs, including the Sunday Night Baseball winner um, just a few days ago. But looking at that tight race, I mean, you got the Philadelphia Phillies. I think they're a guaranteed lock to be making the postseason. They're pitching well. They're playing well right now. Uh, They're five and five in the last 10, but still a big, big enough lead with two weeks left in the season. I think it's safe to say they have a spot. So really, you're looking at those last two spots. You got the Miami Marlins just a half game back. The Reds are just a game back. The Giants just three back. And I think the Giants kind of buried themselves. They had two against the Diamondbacks the last two days. They lost both. That could have been their chance to jump and maybe keep that hope alive. But I'm not ruling out San Francisco in September because we've seen crazier things happen throughout the course of the year. But breaking down that NL wild card, you look at the teams with games left to play. You look at the Marlins schedule, and right now they go. They have the Brewers, Mets, and at Pirates to end the year. So, I mean, there's still some favorability there. If they can get hot after the Brewers series, they have a decent schedule. But one team I really want to look out for, the Cincinnati Reds are one game back, right? Their schedule, home to the Pirates, at Cleveland, at St. Louis. Now, the Cardinals can play spoilers. We'll get into them a little bit later. But what I'm saying is those are three teams to end the year that the Reds probably feel confident in beating. They had a rough loss yesterday. Hunter Green, best start of his career, 14 Ks in seven innings, still lost. Alexis Diaz blew the save. But looking at this, as I mentioned, those teams with with games left to play, the Cubs have a rough road ahead. They have to go to Milwaukee to end the year, and the series before that's at Atlanta. So that's going to be a tough stretch to end the year. And everyone else, I mean, it's it's pretty pretty fair game. Diamondbacks, they're at Yankees, at White Sox, home to Houston. So I mean, they they have their they have their uh, say of things too. Yeah. So um, 
So I was looking, doing some research, and the Giants have the second toughest schedule remaining with seven games against the Dodgers and three against the Padres. So that's yes. going to be a tough final stretch uh, for the Giants. Um, the Cubs have the 13th hardest schedule remaining in the Marlins out of the uh, they have the 16th hardest schedule remaining. Uh, but something about my my intuition tells me that the Cubs sneak into the playoffs. They're leading barely right now. And I think they end the season playing some hot baseball, playing some very inspiring baseball. Um, I know I'm I, I, I'm a believer in the Cubs. I think they can sneak in and possibly make a run. Um, you know, I know you possibly may feel different about it, but but I got I got I got the Cubs making it squeaking in the playoffs, getting that final spot. Let me dive into the Cubs real quick. OK, you look at the Cubs and explain to me there's only one reason behind this. Only one reason behind it. You look at all the teams, all of the baseball teams that are in the NL wildcard race. I just want you to look at one specific category. You know what that category is? Run differential. The Cubs are plus 93 in run differential. That's not only good in the NL wildcard race. They're better than the Brewers, who are plus 64 in run differential. That means they've outscored their opponents by 93 runs. The only other team with plus in the NL wildcard race is Philadelphia leading at 73. That's still not more than the Cubs. And somehow I'll get into them later, too, because this is also a, a, a driving point. The San Diego Padres are plus 82 and run differential, which is crazy. But you look at the Cubs and what they're doing there. Plus 93. Their record at home is pretty good. 42-35. They're one down on the road. But the Cubs with their run differential, that tells me one thing. Late game situations. Late game situations. Manager David Ross is just not good. He's not. He's burned out his entire bullpen by using them every single day. You know, Mark Leiter has 67 relief appearances every single day. Mark Leiter Jr., Mark Leiter Jr., Mark Leiter Jr. These guys are getting burned down. He's put Michael Fulmer on the injured list two times in the last two months. Our closer's done for the year. He's burning out these relievers by constantly going to them every single day. Julian Merriweather, another guy that hasn't thrown a lot of innings during his MLB career. He's got 64 relief appearances. He's going to these same guys day after day, and it's just not good. Now, I do understand Jed Hoyer. They're playing with house money here. No one expected the Cubs to be in this situation. Justin Steele's looked abysmal his last two starts. Cy Young right now is going to Blake Snell, no questions asked. He's given up eight runs, and he gave up seven runs last night. So Justin Steele's having issues. Marcus Stroman has to pitch in relief now because he's trying, finally getting ramped back up. Kyle Hendricks, he thinks he's going to be good, but every, like in the back of your mind, you're like, he's throwing 88, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like he's, he's getting it done, but like, dang. Javier Assad's been roughed up a couple times. I don't love the team. I think there's issues that – uh, they don't have a third baseman right now. Jammer Candelario's on the injured list. Uh, Nick Magical's done for the year. They're playing Wisdom. They're trying Master Boney. They're trying Morell there, who doesn't have a glove at any position he plays. You might as well put him out here. They're barehanded. He's not making any catch imaginable, no matter what position he plays. But one thing that really pisses me off is the inability to play the, the young players. You called up Alexander Canario. You called him up in early September, Okay. Early September, he's rode the pine. He's had one pinch hit appearance until two days ago. One pinch hit appearance, he struck out. If you're calling up one of your top prospects, 
who hit over 35 home runs in the minors last year. You call him up during a pennant race. You don't play him until two days ago. You're like, all right, you know what? We'll give him a shot. We'll finally play him. He DHs. He hits a grand slam. His first MLB home run hits a grand slam, an RBI double. He goes two for five. He's hitting 400 on the year. That's what he's doing, right? Looking pretty good. You'd think, all right, let the kid play. He's hot right now. You're trying to win baseball games. Nope. Back on the bench the next day. Pete Crow Armstrong, I understand. Uses legs. Uses glove. He's not big league ready yet. But this Canario kid's been on the roster since September and has only seen two games of action. That just does not make sense to me. Meanwhile, you're sending out these Mastrobonies. You're playing wisdom. Like, none of it makes sense to me. But, I mean, there's there's more issues beyond this team, and I think it starts at the helm. Mm. So I think what you what you just laid out for us is that the, the Cubs are lacking depth in their pitching, uh, lacking a ton of it if they keep throwing out the – the same arms continuously. But like you said, you know, the Cubs were not expected to to be in this in this uh, wildcard race. They definitely weren't. But let's talk about some teams who were expected to not only be in the wildcard race, but uh, win a division and World Series aspirations that have been colossal failures. For example, the New York Mets, the San Diego Padres and the St. Louis Cardinals. Especially the Mets and the Padres, they had one of the biggest payrolls in all of baseball, and they were terrible this year. But I want to start with the Mets here, all right? The Mets won 101 games last year, came into the season carrying the highest payroll in baseball. What happened? What in the world happened to the Mets? I would argue that it started with the injury of Edwin Diaz, a team having that much hype coming into the season and losing one of your best relievers in baseball is tough. It's really tough. Another thing is that the Mets relied heavily on veteran age players and they all got worse this year. Uh, they were all uh, they were all worse compared to last year in the OPS plus department. They also carry that age to the rotation uh, in the rotation. They use nine pitchers, 34 years or older, and they returned with a record of 22 and 29. Uh, so it, it's been a tough season for the Mets. Um Obviously, but also, you know, I respect going for it all. I respect uh, wanting to, you know, go for it all, not just cookie cut it uh, and try to win a World Series. That's why you play this game. Um, they tried it and it failed. They did. They really did. They went for it. And to your point, you like when teams go for it. It's better when teams do and they don't. But I think when it comes to this, when it comes to the New York Mets, you mentioned the age and the rotation. You have a Verlander, you have Scherzer, you bring over Kodai Senga, who's pitched pretty well. I think he's had a pretty good start to his career, the guy from Japan. Yeah. But um, I think there's also some things. They expected to get better contribution out of their younger players. Brett Beatty's been terrible. Yeah. Ooh, 12 and eight bombs. Yeah, and not great. Has power he in the showed, I was about to say, he showed some really good pop, but... The average I mean, isn't there, but you can't consistent. expect to carry your exactly. So you look at that, and there's more pieces to the Mets beyond that. I don't think – I think Buck Showalter got a good message across last year. The team played for him. They were good down the – I mean, they got to the postseason, and when they got there, they kind of fell off. And then in the back of their mind, it's like the freaking Mets, you know? Yeah. But yeah. it's also yeah. – I also think this contributed to it too. Last year, Francisco Lindor was really good. He was really good. I think he put up solid numbers. He was playing good defense. He was locked in and playing 
the type of ball that you're paying Francisco Lindor to play. Right. This year, he started off cold. It took him a while to get going. Insanely long. And while he's doing that, the Mets are losing games. Scherzer's pitching. He's go like Verlander starts the year um, off on the injured list. He's banged up. A lot of these old pitchers just couldn't cut it for him this year. And then when you needed those young kids, a David Peterson, you needed a Tyler or McGill when he came up, like you needed those guys to step in and pitch for you. And they just couldn't get it done. And then the bullpen hasn't been good minus Edwin Diaz's loss. So it's kind of those, once again, they're lo- they were losing those close games um, that when you needed to potentially win those and plus everyone else in that division was playing well, Miami came out of nowhere yeah. with a rise hot start to the year. Those singles, those little blue pits early in the year, those are beating your ass. And then you got, um, obviously the Braves are taking care of business. The Phillies are too. It was kind of like their slow start just set the pace for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so moving from one team with a, with a high, uh, uh, spent a lot of money on their team, moving to another, that is the San Diego Padres. Dylan, can you, can you describe, can you analyze what happened to the San Diego Padres this year? AJ Preller needs to be fired. Mm. You got to fire AJ Preller, you know? You can't you can't continuously do this. Where I I we can admire someone for going all in all they want. But he's taking some big ass swings. He trades all of his prospects for Juan Soto. He trades all of his young 15-year-old prospects for you Darvish. He signs a Manny Machado. He signs a Xander Bogarts. He brings in a Nelson Cruz. He's got all these pieces moving around him. He trades like he was a trading machine. Joe Musgrove came over via trade. Blake Snell came over via trade. Almost everyone on that roster was pretty much via trade. And then you also bring up like a you sign a Haseon Kim who's had a phenomenal year. I'll give him that. But they just continue to make these trades. But I think it starts in the clubhouse. That's where the issue is. And it's not Bob Melvin because we've seen him be a great manager with Oakland. Yes. You can manage in Oakland. You can manage anywhere. Let me tell you that. You could manage any ball club in the world. It's not Bob Melvin. I think the relationship between Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis is so fractured that that clubhouse is just completely destroyed. Because those are your two leaders. You got a guy who gets hurt on a dirt bike. You got a guy who gets suspended for PEDs, who has to switch his position to right field, who's just a head case whenever he walks in the room, and he's supposed to be your franchise guy getting paid all this money. Everyone's loving Fernando Tatis. No one's talking about Fernando Tatis this year. Mm-hmm. Like, it, on the top of your head, the guys that you know, Otani, everyone's talking about these flashy guys that are playing great baseball. You can't name Tatis's numbers if I told you right now because no one's paying attention. No one's Let's paying see. attention to Fernando Tatis, which is fine. He's hitting 260. He's got a, 260, like, 25 bombs. 25 bombs. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, he's still putting up numbers. But the bottom line is there's so much that teams are not looking at with the Padres. And it's just – it's one of those years where it's bad. They're three down, but they've won seven straight. That's not going to matter. But they're they're 82-plus in run differential. So mathematically, they should be winning. They have a Cy Young winner leading their rotation. They have Josh Hader in the back end of the bullpen. They have literally anybody that you want on that team. But something in the clubhouse is just not gelling. Mm-hmm. And sometimes mm-hmm. that can translate to the field. 
And it's not the manager because he's managing well. They're winning baseball games. They're led by an ace. They have great timely hit. Like, it's just team. It's not falling for them right now. And I, it's, it's just impossible to describe. But something in that clubhouse is just not working for them. Yeah, so I, I totally agree with you. It this is not on AJ Preller. This is this is not on AJ. I think Preller. it is. I don't think it is, and I'm gonna tell you why. This is not on AJ Preller. The this is on the guys in that clubhouse. The Padres have shown no heart this year, no lack of urgency, uh, a lack of urgency, no motivation, and they're only four and a half games back out of the final wild card spot. That's what's crazy to me. But you have seven silver sluggers on that team, six of whom have finished in the top six of MVP voting, and you have a very underwhelming offense there in San Diego. This is what happens when nobody buys into the team success over individual numbers. You just stated Tatis, he's he's not having a great year, but he's having a decent year. So is Xander Bogarts. Here's the issue, Dylan. This is how this is why I say this team has no heart. This is why I put this on the players. Dylan, they are 0 and 11 in extra inning games this year. They are 6 and 22 in one run games. Where's your heart? You win, you you win extra inning games if you have heart, if you play together as a team. Dylan, this is on the players. This ain't on AJ Prowler. This is on the players. This team has showed. Uh, no motivation with all the hype this year. There is there's some chemistry issues there in San Diego, and it's clearly obvious when you can't come together and win close games. I think that's why it's on AJ Preller. He put the guys in the room. He put all the guys in the room. He tried to build an all star team, and he traded. He got he, using. He's allocating all the resources that has ever been accumulated into the Padres baseball organization. And he's traded all of the assets that he's had of young talent. You okay, remember but who he has to pick up in 2014? Right, right, right. But who has to manage these guys? If I, if I anything, I put this on Melvin before I put it on AJ Preller. Preller's responsible for getting those guys in the clubhouse, putting together on paper a team, and all paper. a team, a team that that should win the World Series or at least get there. All right. Now it's up to the manager and the players to execute that. And if you can't Maybe execute that's- that, that's 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 why you said it, Dylan. You said that there is some chemistry issues. There's something going on in that clubhouse. That has nothing to do with AJ Preller, in my opinion. Maybe then it is Bob Melvin. Maybe, Maybe it is it's Bob Melvin because he's used to coaching these or managing these guys that are making nine hundred thousand a year, playing in front of no fans with no expectations, and he's winning games with them because he can relay a message to them. Because they understand, like, hey, this might be my last shot at playing Major League Baseball. That's how. That's what every single person that puts on the jersey that says athletics, they might know it's their last day playing in the MLB. That's True. how bad the team is. Yeah. But Bob Elvin bought into those players. He got them to play for him. Now he's got these high personality, high value, top dollar guys that are in this building, and they're not winning games in his clubhouse. And he, the message is not getting across to those star players the same way it did to a, uh, a a Chad Pinder, uh, anybody else that plays in Oakland. Like yeah. those guys, the messages is not getting across. But I want to go. They're just dealing with the egos of guys who are making $30, $40 million a year. Yes, but it, that's the thing that's crazy. Baseball is not a game where it's like, give me the ball. I want this. I got the money. 
everyone's playing the same amount of time, you know? Mm-hmm. Everyone's doing their job. But once again, the relationship between Tatis and Machado is fractured. Machado doesn't respect him. There's just something going on there. And then, I, again, I, I think it, at some point you have to say it's on A.J. Preller because he's tore this thing mm-hmm. down and he's thrown it up twice. He's, he he's did his job, man. Turner the year he drafted him. He did his job, man. Justin Upton. A year ago, you say next year. Okay, let's go back to a year ago. And you go, AJ Preller comes up to you and says, hey, I'm going to have a team with Xander Bogarts, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis, and Manny Machado. What your initial reaction would be, holy crap, who was stopping this team? All right? And I just listened to you. This team is not good in crunch time. This team, at some point, at some point, this is what great teams do. They have... Uh, uh, some sort of chemistry, some sort of continuity to where they get in those get in those uh, high pressure situations and they exceed. The Padres can't do that. I'm not putting that on AJ Preller. I'm putting it on the guys in that clubhouse or the guy that's running that clubhouse. I think we'll have to agree to disagree here because Preller, he's been he's been at this job. His seat's been he's been comfy in that chair. It's been cozy. He, since he takes he takes shots though. He is very He's shooting very his shot. That's what's crazy, though. Every single time there's a problem with the Padres, all he does is trade for someone else, and it's not getting any better. At some point, you got to realize, okay, maybe we need to stop wheeling and dealing and trading these James Woods for a freaking Luke Voigt or Josh Bell or whatever the hell we're doing. Like, we got to understand that maybe bringing in a G-Man Choi isn't going to fix our shitty record. You got to understand that bringing in players like a, a mid-season, like, oh, here we go. You know who could really fix this problem? Jake Marisnik. No! No one's going to solve your problems by adding more veterans and more players to this ball club. The way you do it is by realizing, okay, maybe I messed up. Let's get rid of some of these contracts. Let's relax and kind of build this thing back up. But he's already burned his farm system. He lit every single prospect he had on fire and threw gasoline onto it. Oh, man. But I would do it. I would do it to get... Juan Soto, Juan Soto, I would do it to get Manny Machado, you know? I don't know. It's just, I think it's just been an, an unfortunate uh, amount of events here that, have, that has transpired for the Padres this season. It just didn't work out. And like you said, we agree. This is a locker room issue. Something's going on there to where they cannot come together as a team to win baseball games. So I think we definitely, definitely agree on that. Uh, well, all right, so... One, what? one, one Soto is overrated, but we'll get, we'll overrated. get into it. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> off season. Oh man. Yeah. That's an off season topic. Moving into our last topic here. We're going to lighten the mood here. Um, Back in, back in the little league, not even little league days, I'd say like high school days. Huh? Do you remember the Easton torque bat with the twisting handle, a green yeah. bat? You had it, Dylan. I had it. I had it. It was not kind to me in my high no. school. Career. That that has that has to be one of the biggest scams in youth baseball. There's no way. There's no way that bat actually worked. This is think- uh no, there's no way. This is I'm quoting here. I'm quoting the description. 360 torque rotation handle technology keep keeps your hands inside the baseball for more squared up power. Dylan, that bat gave me no pop. That this was a straight marketing gimmick. No way this bat actually worked. 
I got the Easton torque. <laughs> I think I might have it somewhere upstairs, but I'm telling you, like the way that it, it, it lined up your hands. So like the way that you, you stand in the box, no one is like this unless you were who used to swing like that. It wasn't Albert. Might've been Albert. Someone lined up their big knuckles like this and would hit moonshots with it. I didn't know who the hell did it, but like you're supposed to line up this, right? The knock and knuckles, you're supposed to line up on your bat. Okay. Right? Yeah. It's like you stand in the box like this, your knock and knuckles are lined. So what that does is whenever you grab the bat, you can really feel that line up every single time. That was a scam. So then you stay in there, and then you just swing through. That bat was awesome. I don't care what anybody says. You, I just, said that, you just said that bat was not kind to you. It wasn't in terms of production. I hit 154. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it wasn't a good <laughs> bat. I was hitting some cage bombs with that thing. That thing. Cage bombs? Yeah. Torque, torque didn't lie when it came off my bat. Oh, my gosh. Oh, any, well, that, <laughs> what? You have any crazy equipment? No, I didn't. I'm trying to think of other crazy. Maybe we can make this a series. Crazy equipment in baseball. I never had it. I, I owned a field it. commander glove. You know what field, field commander is? Field commander. Field commander. That was the that was the glove that I used in uh in travel ball. Like is this? I don't know. What about it? That was the glove that I used. Oh. Everyone wrote. They're like, "What the heck's a field commander?" I was like, "Well." It's the glove smith. I used it. <laughs> now, I've never seen or heard of this before. Huh. Interesting. Hmm. I'll have to look into that. All right. Well, that's all we have for you today in today's episode. Uh, we will get back to you uh, very shortly, especially we're going to come out more content with the postseason right around the corner. Thank you for all tuning in. Follow us on all our social medias. We're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back. Catch you later.